Well, hello and welcome to Epic. My name is Tim Jones. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and we are so glad that you are here with us today. If you're joining us online, thank you so much for being here online with us, and we hope that this Christmas season begins very well for you. Now, today we are beginning a brand new Christmas season uh, entitled Not What I Expected. And uh, as you came in today, you probably thought, are they ready for us today? I mean, things look a little bit like not put together. Uh, The place looks a little like messy. I mean, did the setup crew come in today and not finish off the stage? I mean, we've got boxes that are still out. We've got uh, decorations that are partially put up, trees that still need to be assembled lights that need to go up. Uh, I mean, isn't Christmas coming? I mean, are these guys ready for Christmas? This is not what I expected. Well, this series represents uh, kind of our year, doesn't it? You know, uh, 2020 uh, hasn't been the year that we were expecting. We've had a lot of not what I was expecting moments in it. But uh, wasn't 2020 supposed to be the year of like perfect vision? Uh, perfect vision for our lives, our families, and our businesses. Um, I mean, it's 2020. It's supposed to be perfect. Uh, but yet... Uh, All of a sudden in March, uh, we start dealing with COVID. None of us would have ever expected to be on the hunt for toilet paper or hand sanitizer or any cleaning products. Uh, None of us expected to be working from home or homeschooling uh, or wearing masks uh, to this point as well. And then none of us expected uh, in May uh, for racial tensions to explode um, over an awful event and for there to be summer-long protests, uh, calls for justice, uh, then it snowballed into violence and even more division. And then to add fuel to the fire, uh, let's just throw in a presidential election, you know, uh, where the most people voted uh, in the history of this country, where about half people leaned in one direction and the other half lean in the other direction. And so uh, I'm curious, by a raise of hands, how many of you would like things just to return to normal? Raise your hands. Yeah, a lot of us. Uh, Raise your hands. How many of you would like to have at least a normal Christmas this month, right? Yeah, we would. And so I think all of us would. In fact, some people have gotten like a head start. Uh, I don't know if you noticed that. Obviously, we didn't get a head start up here on the stage. Uh, But if you've gone to Cracker Barrel uh, in July, they had Christmas decorations out and they were ready to sell them. I mean, they were like, boom, off to the start there. Um, And then uh, in October, all the music stations were playing Christmas music already. Did you notice that? And then uh, in November, they just decided to make Black Friday the entire month of November. And then I hear this week, uh, Chick-fil-A is about to make an announcement that the peppermint uh, milkshake, do you like those? Yeah, they're going to be here until 2021, all throughout next year. Okay, maybe not the peppermint milkshakes. uh, But don't we wish, you know? I mean, those things are amazing. Um, But what we're all really desiring is things to return back to normal and for us to at least have a normal Christmas. But did you realize that there's nothing normal about Christmas? Like uh, when we look at all the not what I was expecting moments that we've experienced this year, that's actually very similar to the Christmas story. And uh, it wasn't perfect. It wasn't, uh, it was all messy. It wasn't neat and tidy. Uh, It almost didn't happen. 
And some of you uh, who don't believe in God have always thought, you know what, the Christmas story is just too perfect. But when we look at the Christmas story, it is far from perfect. In fact, if it wasn't for all those uh, not-what-I-expected moments, then what those moments really do is make it real and make it remarkable. And so today, I want us to look at the entire Christmas story. We're going to have like this overview of history. So if you love history like me, it's going to be amazing. But I think it's going to be fascinating for everyone uh, to see because we are going to look at Christmas that shouldn't have happened. But in all these not what I expected moments, it did. And so today, if you would, uh, let's begin by turning um, to the couple that wasn't expecting a child. Um, but let's look at the couple that thought they would never have a child. So if you're up to the challenge, uh, we're going to cover a lot of ground. And so if you want to keep up with me, uh, then we're going to start in Genesis 12.1. So if you want to turn there in your Bibles or your smartphone devices, uh, you can. If you don't have a Bible, always feel free, or if you're looking for like that early Christmas gift, uh, you can always have one of the Bibles in the back as our free gift uh, to you. If you'd like to have it at your fingertips, uh, there's the Version Bible app, and this is amazing. If you're home, uh, just look up Y-O-U, get the Version Bible app. It makes it super easy to uh, read the Bible and explains so much about what you are reading as well. So go ahead um, and turn to Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, and I'll give you a moment to get there. Now, as you turn there, let me tell you about the time of history that we are picking up in. Like, again, we're going to cover a lot of ground today. We're going to check out the history of Israel. So it is about 29 or 2090 BC, almost 2,000 years before Christ. And the document of Genesis tells uh, how the Jewish people began through Abram and Sarai, uh, who were childless at this point and about uh, 75 years old. And Genesis records some of the early history of the nation of Israel, and they passed it along uh, from generation to generation. And they were so good at doing this. They were so meticulous in making sure that their history was passed along to those that were in their family and for it to be recorded to a T and to an I. And eventually this document joins the law, which was written uh, by Moses. And so eventually all these other books were added to uh, the law, and that's how we get the Old Testament. And eventually the Jewish scriptures are combined with the books and the letters written after Jesus' death and his resurrection, and that's how we get the complete Bible. Now, in all these books and letters okay, of recorded history, we see this initial promise that was given up front in Genesis, and that's what we're going to be tracing today, and it plays out, and we're going to see how it plays out in history with actual events and actual people, and so that's where we're beginning today. So, up front, here's this unconditional promise that God gave to a man named Abram, who we would know become known as Abraham. Anybody have heard the name Abraham? Raise of hands. Yeah, there's a lot of us who've heard his name. 
And so we've got to understand this about an unconditional promise, okay? God is the one who will make sure that will happen regardless of what the other party does or does not do. That's an unconditional promise, and that is unique, okay? So starting in Genesis 12, 1, the Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. Now, we've got to understand, this is a big deal, okay? For God to tell Abraham to leave his people uh, and everything he knew was a big request. So back then, um, you would hang out with your people, with your tribe, with your clan, with your people group uh, for security's sake, okay? Because if you left your people, that was super dangerous. The earth was violent. There were no international laws. There were no treaties back then in 2090 BC, okay? And so this is what God says to Abraham, verse 2. I will make you into a great nation. So Abraham is thinking, man... If I could just be a dad, that would be awesome. I mean, maybe even a grandfather, that would be great. And God continues. He says, not only will I make you into a great nation, but I will bless you and make you famous. Abraham's probably thinking, famous? Like, really? You're asking me to leave my people. Your people know who you are. Most people don't keep track of other people, especially if you're outside that people group. And so I don't know about this. And God continues. And then he gets this like impossible part. And he says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a, what's that word? A blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. And at this point, Abraham's like, all right, God, time out. Come on over here. Let's talk about this, okay? First off, you know, do you realize like what's happening around here? This is like worse than the old West, okay? If a family group does something to you, then they retaliate and it's worse than the mob, okay? They not only come after you, they come after your family, your children, your children's children, your servants, and even your dog, okay? I mean, who goes after a person's dog? So you're talking blessing, like, really, God? Like, how does a nation bless others? There are no people groups around here blessing each other. There is no, like, tribe blessing another tribe. There's no clan doing that as well. And a nation blessing others? Like, really, God? That's the promise that you're giving to me? And if we were Abraham and we know what we know, like, we would be agreeing with Abraham. I mean, we look at ancient Near East history, and we know this today, but the people groups back in 2090 BC, up until empires started being formed, and even those uh, major empires, the Assyrians, the Persians, they were ruthless. I mean, when you read your Old Testament, you go, why is there all this violence? And that was the norm. It was so bad. If you did something against another people group, they came after you, and they didn't take out some of you, they took out your entire family, possessions, servants, and everything because they didn't want to leave by chance that someone would come after them at a later date. So that was the norm. Now, what was not expected was that God would show up and give a promise, 
a promise that a nation would bless other nations. That was so unheard of. That was impossible. And so for some reason, Abraham trusted God and he accepted this promise. So let's see this promise begin to uh, unfold. Genesis 21.1, the Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. And this happened at just the time God had said it would. So Abraham and Isaac, uh, I mean, Abraham and Sarah, they have their son Isaac. And over here on this chart, um, eventually Isaac has two sons, Esau and Jacob. Uh, Esau's the older one, but for some reason, uh, there's a lot of family dysfunction. I mean, if you think your family is dysfunctional, you've got to read the Bible, okay? It's no joke. I mean, you've got servants or people sleeping with servants. You've got people sleeping with relatives, uh, people who lie to each other, cheat on each other, and also just steal other people's birthrights. It is a mess. If you're talking about like reality TV, this was like the first reality reality TV show ever in the history of our world. And so eventually, uh, Jacob, who's the younger son, who should have not gotten like the blessing but did, has 12 sons, 12 tribes of Israel. If you've ever heard of that, well, it was 12 sons. And Joseph there on the end, no one liked him. None of these sons. They didn't like him so much that they said, hey guys, you know what? Let's kill him or sell him into slavery. Youch, you know, you thought you had sibling issues, okay? So eventually they sell him into slavery and he finds his way down uh, to Egypt and sold into slavery there. And uh, eventually the family comes, there's finally some reconciliation and the family camps out there for 400 years and they become a nation. The only problem is they become a nation of slaves. And so if you're a nation of slaves, how can you be a blessing to other nations? And no one back then like let go of their slaves, especially two million of them. And even if they had let the Hebrew people go at that point, who would care for these people? They've been slaves for 400 years years. So God, what are you doing? This is not what we would expect. Picking up in Exodus 2, 23, years pass and the king of Egypt died, but the Israelites continue to grow, groan under their burden of slavery. They cried out for help and their cry rose up to God and God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and he looked down on the people of Israel and knew it was time to act. Now, if you've ever seen uh, the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston at Easter time, you know that old movie uh, that comes out and everything, you know by the time that Moses got done with Egypt, like they were not considered a blessing to anybody, okay? They took them out. And so um, even though they were freed in that moment, um, Eventually, the Hebrew people make it into the promised land uh, about a thousand years after this initial promise. And they form the kingdom of Israel, and it looks like that they are finally going to be this blessing to other nations. 
Under King David, uh, peace finally happens. And if we look at uh, the kingdom of Israel over here, they have all this amazing land and there's roads that go through it uh, to make it super valuable land from Egypt up to Assyria and to the Hittites and everyone. So it was super valuable land and it was land that was plush. You could grow tons of things, super green and everything to the east of it um, uh, was desert and everything. And so uh, all of a sudden King Solomon comes to the throne, David's son, and a great handoff to him. And at this time, everybody thinks, finally, Israel's going to be a blessing to other nations. I mean, King Solomon, he goes and brings in so much wealth. He builds these wonders of the world type architectural feats that nobody had ever done. People are coming near and far from different lands to visit. And he's known for his great wisdom, Solomon's wisdom. You probably have heard of that before. And where does that come from? comes from the Bible. And so everyone wants to come and glean from him and his wisdom, and they're marveling at everything that he has created. But unfortunately, King Solomon, who was tight with God, does something that no one expected. He starts to turn his back on God and not listen to him. In 1 Kings chapter 9, 4, God had told Solomon, as for you, if you will follow me with integrity and godliness as David, your uh, father, did, obeying all my commands, decrees, and regulations, then I will establish the throne of your dynasty over Israel forever. For I made this promise to your father, David, one of your descendants, will always sit on the throne of Israel. But if you or your descendants abandon me and disobey the commands and decrees I have given you, and if you serve and worship other gods, then I will uproot Israel from this land that I have given them. And so King Solomon, during his reign, starts to marry the uh, daughters of nobility from other countries, and he starts to worship their gods instead of the God of Israel. And so God kept his promise, and he divides the nation. And the two areas go into chaos, but eventually form two nations, and two nations of Israel and Judah. And the northern kingdom, which was called Israel at the time, uh, had many kings that did not follow God and continue uh, to take people away from God. And the Assyrians from the north eventually come and conquer them and disperse the people amongst their empire, and then take some of the people from their empire and put them into Israel. And that's where we get some of the Samaritans who were married with Jews and because they were implanted into the northern kingdom. And then the southern kingdom, known as Judah down there, they had a lot of kings that actually followed God. And so surely, you know, if there was hope, it was through Judah And God could get their attention and talk through one of his most famous uh, prophets or spokespersons to them uh, named Isaiah. And so this is what Isaiah said to them, because surely they'll be faithful. And so Isaiah said to the people, this is a message from God, and he writes this down. He says, I will make you a light to the Gentiles, and you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. Now, when the people heard that, They actually scoffed. They thought it was a joke. Yeah, the kings were all following God, but the people weren't. Their hearts weren't into it. 
So eventually Judah implodes and the Babylonians come onto the scene. They conquer Assyria. They conquer Judah. And Babylonia, uh, they take the best and the brightest like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, and they take them away uh, to their kingdom and their empire, their capital city. And uh, Judah is left without their leaders. And so not what we would expect from God's people but it happened. Now, after a while, the Jewish people, they were allowed to return to their land uh, to rebuild just the uh, city of Jerusalem, the, the surrounding walls and the temple of God. No one expected that. It was totally out of the blue for them. But even though the people rebuilt these things, their hearts weren't for God. Even the religious leaders' hearts weren't for God. And so just before the curtain comes down for kind of this intermission and the first act is over, God sends this one last prophet named Malachi to remind the people how much he loved them and to remind them of his promise. And he says this to them. God says in Malachi 1, 2, I have always loved you. And the way it's written in the Hebrew gives the sense of I've loved you in the past, the present, and the future. So a better translation is I have always loved you, I love you now, and I will always love you. That's the type of love that God has for us. And then he says, let me give you this promise again and remind you what I have said I would do. And so he says this in verse 11. But my name is honored by people of other nations from morning till night. All around the world, they offer sweet incense and pure offerings in honor of my name. For my name is great among the nations, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And the people, when they heard that, they shrugged it off. They're like, are you crazy? That's not what's happening right now. And then... God does something that no one expected. He goes silent. And there's silence for 400 years. And as this curtain is drawn down and it's intermission, there are no more prophets from God. There are no more words from God. There are no more miracles from God. But it's not what we expected. Then all of a sudden during that time, Alexander the Great comes to power and he takes over uh, all the nations of the known world at that time. No one expected that to happen and he unites all these amazing kingdoms under his power with authority and everything. And before he dies unexpectedly at the age of 38, his one dream, his one desire is that there would be a common language amongst all the different tongues of the nations of the world that they could all speak to each other in one way from their native tongue as well, and that was Koine Greek. And so Koine Greek becomes the universal language, but Hebrew doesn't. And it's something that Alexander made happen, but God remained silent. It's not what we expected. 
And then all of a sudden in 63 BC, uh, the Roman Empire rises up and takes over, which no one could ever imagine, and they conquered the Greeks. And Pompey, one of the generals, goes to conquer Jerusalem and the surrounding area because they were trying to hold out. And tradition has it that as they conquered the Jewish people, what was left of them in Jerusalem he takes his horse and he rides up the temple steps, which was super disrespectful. And he gets to the top and he slays all of the priests because he wants to go into the Holy of Holies, the God vault, to see this God that they had been defending. And he goes into the room and it's empty. And he laughs. And he says, what in the world, you know? <laughs> who, are, who is your God? There's no idol. There's nothing in this room. And it just shows how pathetic your God is because he wouldn't defend you guys. And so what's this? No one was expecting a Roman general to scoff and mock the Jewish God. It's not what we were expecting. And then Rome all of a sudden takes over the known world at the time, extends its borders larger than any empire had ever done, and they established this peace. Maybe you remember this word from high school history, Pax Romana. And from 27 BC to 100 AD, there is finally this peace that has never happened amongst the empires because the Romans had a tight thumb upon everyone. But they also make it possible for everybody to travel throughout the empire uh, because they go to town in making uh, ports and roads throughout the entire empire, and God remains silent. It's not what we would expect. But here's what's so remarkable about Christmas, Okay? Never mistake God's silence for his absence. Let me say that again. Never mistake God's silence for his absence. Okay? You know, during intermission, when the curtain comes down between two acts, uh, behind that curtain, there is a lot going on behind the scenes to make act two possible. And even when everything was looking like a mess and looking hopeless, even though Israel had not done what they were expected to do, God was at work. Even when Israel had failed, God would not fail. And I love what the Apostle Paul, when he was looking back at this part of history, wrote about this time period. He says this in Galatians uh, chapter 4, verse 4, and let's read it together. Let's read the highlighted part. But when the right time came, let's say it one more time. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman. And so in other words, when God had things just the way that he wanted them, when there was a world that was full of ports and roads that could take anyone anywhere with any type of message, just when there was a world where there was a common language that everyone could at least speak and even write, just when there was this peace that had never been experienced among people groups until that time and point in our history of this earth, in that moment, Rome controlled everything. Thing, but under the thumb of their oppression, just in that time, when God could finally get 
the attention and have the undivided attention of the world, God did something so unique in such a way that got our attention. This is what he did. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus, and he will be very great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And Jesus came on to the scene. And when he grew up, he taught people about God like they had never been taught before. He did miracles that no one had ever done before. He healed people like no one had ever done before. He touched the lowest of the low that no one had ever touched. He went through so many experiences, some of the worst of the worst, so that God's promise to Abraham that Israel would become the light of the world would come true. The Savior of the world was born in Israel. The Savior of the world, who was God himself, died for the sins of the world in Israel. The Savior of the world came back to life from the dead, and hundreds of people saw it happen. Hundreds of people saw him die and saw him come back to life. And hundreds of people went throughout the highways and byways in one common language throughout the Roman Empire to tell everyone what they had seen. And eventually, the Roman Empire became Christian without a war. And the only blood that was spilt was the blood of the Savior of the world. So when we look at history, this Christmas story should have not happened. But God, but God was working behind the scenes on the behalf of everyone. Despite the chaos, despite the silence, God is not absent. If he has made a promise, he is making sure that that promise is fulfilled because he loves you. He loves you. He loves us. He's willing to give his best gift of all, his son. So, what do we do in our moments of chaos and silence? 
I mean, we've had a ton of them this year. What do we do when things get so bad in our lives? Well, we trust God because he has a track record of stepping into the mess. What happens when he's silent and we don't hear from him? We turn to him, we trust him because he has a track record of fulfilling his promises. What happens when we get so low and we feel so bad and feel so rejected? We can trust God because he loves us. He has always loved you. He loves you now and he will always love you. What do we do when things are so unexpected? Well, we turn to God who gave the most unexpected gift in the unexpected way. So during this Christmas season, if you're looking for hope, if you're looking for peace, then turn to Jesus, who is the light of the world, who can offer you those things. What does light do? It lights up the darkness. And I love what King David wrote about God. In Psalm 119, 105, he says, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. So seek God, turning to him in his word, to his promises, what he has written for us. And you will find hope and you will find peace as you turn to his son. And so this Christmas season to start us on the spiritual growth challenge that you can get on your way out or download it online, I have put the Christmas story on it, just in little pieces to be able to read each day. And I would just love for all of us to read the Christmas story up until Christmas with this new perspective, with looking at the message today and saying, God, you know what? You did so many things amazingly in the midst of chaos and silence that none of us expected. But you were working behind the scenes. Would you speak to my heart that needs rest, that needs peace, and needs hope? And so I turn to you to do that. So let's do that together. Now, we're going to close in prayer, and then we're going to sing a song to Jesus, the one who is the light of the world, to the one who came for us. And so I'd love for us just to sing that to him. And then be sure to invite someone to our Christmas services, uh, whether that's here in person or online, um, because they need to come to know the Savior of the world. So let's go ahead and stand and pray, and then let's sing this song together. Father, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for how great you are. God, you did the impossible. No one was expecting it. To be a blessing, that was unheard of. I think it's still unheard of today. Father, we just look to you and we just thank you so much for working throughout history to make your promise happen. Despite all the chaos, despite the silence, you were working on our behalf because you love us. You love us so great. And today, God, I just ask that um, if there's someone out there today that is down without hope, 
that today they will turn to your word and hear from you, that they'll read the Christmas story afresh and ask you to speak to their hearts. God, if there's someone here who doesn't know you, Jesus, I pray that they will put their faith and trust in you. It's so simple. All we have to do is say, God, thank you for coming to this earth. Jesus, will you forgive me of my sins? I believe you rose from the dead to show us that you are God. Will you be my Lord and Savior? And in that moment, we experience your promise. So thank you for sending your greatest gift, your best gift, in such unexpected ways that would get our attention through peace without bloodshed. So we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.